Miss M was misunderstood, mistreated, and thus most miserable. Her life had been a mess for years until one day when everything suddenly changed in the blink of an eye. The dramatic difference was noticed immediately by those who knew her, and everyone kept asking the question, what happened to you? Taking no credit whatsoever for her changed life, Miss M simply said, I owe it all to my therapist. And who is that person? They asked with great interest. She answered, his name is Jesus. Miss M is my rendition of Mary Magdalene, a woman who in some Christian traditions is known as the apostle to the apostles. Although that is likely an embellishment on her calling, we can say with certainty that she had a central role in the life and ministry of Jesus. This particular Mary is mentioned by name 12 times in the four Gospels, which is more than most of the apostles and more than any other woman. We first hear of her in Luke chapter 8, verse 2, along with some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Her condition had been dreadful, for she is described as Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. So grateful was Mary to Jesus for healing her that she devoted herself to him as a faithful disciple and is named first in all the Gospels as one of the women present at the cross where Jesus was crucified, near the tomb where he was buried, and at the tomb the morning of his resurrection. In the Gospel of John, after rising from the dead, Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene personally. So, with this series on a woman's place in view, what place did this particular woman have in the life and ministry of Jesus? Did he give her the same opportunities as his 12 apostles? As we consider the interactions of Jesus with a few other women recorded in the gospel accounts, notice what he does and does not do. First, bear in mind that the only people named as supporting the ministry of Jesus out of their means are women, and they are included in the entourage of disciples, as we see in Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. Turn now to the so-called woman at the well that we meet in John chapter 4. As a Samaritan, she is hated by the Jews. As one who is married five times and now living with a man, she is regarded as immoral and despised by her own people. Yet, this is the woman to whom Jesus reveals himself as Messiah and lets her go out as an evangelist to fellow Samaritans. In John chapter 8, we meet the woman caught in adultery, whom Jesus defends, such that her accusers walk away speechless, but not guiltless. He does not condemn her, but releases her with the words, Go and sin no more. Then, in Luke chapter 10, we see Jesus arriving at the home of his dear friends Mary and Martha. In that episode, Jesus lets Mary sit at his feet, 
which is the place and posture of a disciple. Martha is busy in the kitchen and expects Mary to help her, but Jesus responds by saying, Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken from her. So, what is the good part? Is it not simply being with him, learning from him, and doing whatever he calls us to do? What we see in the life and ministry of Jesus is inclusion, not exclusion. He invites all to follow him and turns no one away. Women are given as much opportunity to follow and serve as men. The same was true of Samaritans, Gentiles, Roman soldiers, tax collectors, and the list goes on. The Jews hated such people, but Jesus did not. He received any and all who came to him and was delighted to see them go with the gospel to any and all with ears to ear. I find no account where Jesus restricts the ministry of women, but see quite the opposite in operation. Evidently, we are the ones who restrict, not him. In John chapter 17, we see Jesus praying fervently for us, his church, to be one with each other, united as a community of believers without divisions caused by distinctions in gender, neither male nor female, or ethnicity, neither Jew nor Gentile, nor status, neither slave nor nor free. For we are all called to be one in Christ. He is our head. We are his body. Jesus never established church government on local, regional, and national levels, but he called us to come together as one by allowing his perfect, unconditional love to flow in us and through us. When that happens, everything else falls into place with people serving one another out of humility, not pride. It's very interesting that 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, esteemed by believers throughout history, appears in between chapter 11 and 14, where divisions are addressed requiring the need for order. This makes me wonder if those two chapters would be necessary if we actually put into practice chapter 13. What do you think? Church government is a practical matter that is necessary for management purposes in the same way that civic government is necessary. Sadly, we do not let the love of God in Christ work in us and through us as we should because we are not always faithful but often faithless. Since we're still works in progress, we're in need of corrective action provided in letters like 1 Corinthians and 1 Timothy. Having said that, I see nothing in those letters or any other books of the Bible that would keep women from serving in any capacity in the church. Hear these words from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, where the Apostle Paul says that the Lord gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. 
Clearly, Paul is addressing the body of Christ as a whole. Does it not follow then that any believer who is uniquely gifted and called by God, regardless of his or her gender, can serve as an apostle? That is, one who is sent forth on mission, like a missionary, or a prophet, that is, one who speaks forth God's word, like a preacher, or an evangelist, that is, one who proclaims the gospel, or a pastor, one who cares for God's people, or a teacher, one who instructs God's people. As noted in this series, women were not excluded from these roles in the early church. So if women were not excluded from serving in those days then, why should they be excluded now? Before wrapping up this series, we need to deal with that can of worms I opened up in part one when I presented that provocative passage in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 9 through 15, where Paul said, I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. To discern why Paul gave such a directive, we need to understand the particular setting. The city of Ephesus was home of the temple of the goddess Artemis, also known as Diana, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Women ran the religion in that great city and exercised their authority at will. Now, imagine a fledgling church in a city like that where some strong-willed women usurped the authority of its leadership which was comprised of men in large part, if not entirely. When Paul hears about this, he puts on his mentor hat and sends his disciple Timothy a clear directive to address a clear and present danger. In this particular situation, Paul addresses a problem of authority that has been usurped by women to take control and teach heresy. This is the larger context. Therefore, Paul's directive here cannot be used as a proof text for a woman's place in the church or world. So, after considering what the Bible says as a whole on this topic, it seems to me that a woman's place in the church and world is unrestricted. By the way, that wasn't my view before this series. So if this has been a challenging experience for you, know that it has been a challenging experience for me too. Whether or not your view on this topic has changed, let's look forward to new challenges that lead to new discoveries as we open our hearts and minds to realize the truth of God's word and its application to our lives. Here are three questions for your consideration. First, what impresses you most about Jesus' ministry to and with women? Second, how has this series affected your understanding of a woman's place? And third, what challenging topics would you like to see addressed in the future?